0: Hello, everyone. I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis.
1: This is Tom Fox. Richard Lummis is on assignment this week. So I am visiting with Amy Bernard Bond, a well-known compliance and leadership expert, to take a look at five of the top leadership failures and scandals from 2019. In this series, we look at leadership failures at Boeing, Goldman Sachs, Ericsson, Wells Fargo, and today we begin with Boeing. The series is a lot of fun and very topical, and I know you will enjoy it. This special series uh 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with A.B. Bernard Vaughn for part five of our five-part exploration of some of the top Corporate Governance and Leadership Failures from 2019. Today we're going to end with a pure FCPA case, and that is the Swedish telecom company Ericsson, which uh, settled in Q4 of 2019 with either the first or second largest FCPA settlement, depending on how you count the Petrobras settlement, of $1.06 billion, that's with a B, uh, fine and penalty. So, uh, Amy, what uh, struck you about this case, and why should a Swedish company be on our list? Well,
0: gosh, this one has such shockingly simple bribe schemes, and I know you've, you've blogged on this extensively as well, um, and just an appallingly weak control system and compliance culture. Um, and it, it's been going on for so long, 17 years, right? Um, they finally settled five countries, And we already know, and so you would have thought that compliance would have been um, on the lookout because telecom is the number one industry for FCPA, right, Tom?
1: Don't take our Houston crown away, sorry. The crown of Houston, the FCPA epicenter of the world, Houston, Texas.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm I'm glad to see that, Tom, my birthplace. So, um, sorry that it's such an ignominious uh, crown, but but yeah.
1: Wait a minute. Are you from Houston?
0: I was born there. Yeah. So was I. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, all my family's still there uh, in, in Texas, and in, uh, spread all over. But so, uh, so we'll get to talk about Houston. But yeah, this one, um, you know, I will be curious to see how they try to rebuild this. Um, they they should have they knew or should have known, right, that that telecom is is ripe with opportunity for bribe schemes. Um, It's a distributed uh, business. You are trying to gain uh, volume business. You have to get into um, the weeds in all kinds of countries where where, uh, a cell phone is how people live and run their businesses, you know, third world countries. And so third world countries, red flag, right? Um, The uh, Transparency International runs a really nice map of countries where you need to be careful. Um, And so just red flags all over this one, Tom, in terms of what you should be doing, I think, in terms of a compliance structure and controls, and of course, knowing how the FCPA has been one of the top money makers for the DOJ for years. Um, So this one just surprised me that, um, you know, where where was compliance?
1: So a couple of things um, around telecom. What we have seen is the Department of Justice engaged in industry sweeps, and really, the first industry sweep was um, energy. Then we went to pharma. Uh, then we went to tech. Then we went to private equity. And now we're on telecom. And you're absolutely right. Uh, telecom is rife for potential FCPA exposure because so much of what they do, uh, well, not so much, all of it's licensed. So there's always a government touch point. And in fact, I think the last time I looked at it, four of the top six FCPA enforcement actions are now telecom cases. So for any telecom company, for any practitioner in telecom, uh, this case presents uh, the the glaring uh, example that you are going to be in directly in the government sites. If you're in telecom and you need to go in and scrub your operations as much as you can, but the, um, uh, you also hit on a point that it's it's the doc settlement documents in the form of the deferred prosecution agreement and other documents not really identify any of the specific individuals involved, but it, it seemed to me that there was very senior level involvement in this case and that an entire culture of corruption pervaded the company. How, how could a U.S.-based monitor, if Indeed, they select a U.S.-based monitor, begin to think through changing the culture at a company like Ericsson, where, as you also noted, 17 years of bribes and corruption had occurred.
0: Yeah, well, I was, I was intrigued by the report that they issued on December 7th, where they promised to invest and to implement the best methods and systems available, which, um, you know, isn't very specific. There's a whole slide deck, actually, that's publicly available online um, from the CEO's chief legal officer and the CFO, what I noticed both in that report, Tom, and looking for signs of how are they going to rebuild um, and in the lack of getting full credit for their self-disclosure, which we could go into as well, You know, they only got 15% instead of the full 25% that they could have gotten, um, leads me to believe that because the legal officer has been the one that's been issuing uh, proclamations and statements, this kind of has the hallmarks to me of a legal-driven defensive response without you know, a lot of compliance or certainly ethics talk. There, there's no ethics um, um, language, if you will, that I, that I hear in their response at all. So that's another red flag to me around how far are they really going go to go to remodel this culture. As you and I both know, there's a long debate in our compliance community around you know, to whom should the compliance and ethics officer report. And um, in a, in, a, in an organization where you've got a, a chief legal officer who gets the role of compliance and the independence that it needs to do its job in doing the right thing, as opposed to doing the legal legally defensible thing, um, it can work fine. I've worked under both structures. But in this structure, I tell you I'm concerned. I'll be very interested to see if the monitor, for example, can persuade uh, or insist that the company has an independent Compliance officer, based on what I see, because um, it's not it's not in the slide deck, Tom. Um, and they fired their CEO in 2016, I guess, in a in a in a um, reactive attempt, perhaps to get away uh, to get away from some of the uh, corruption suspicions that they hired Hans Vesberg in July 2016. But you know that doesn't seem to have, have done much with the settlement, because and I don't think that changed the culture, because you know they didn't disclose two matters. That that uh, were found out anyway seems foolish to me. Why would why would you not disclose um, that you knew of stuff uh, going on? And then they failed to timely remediate some of their other work. So, you know, I'm frankly surprised they got the fifteen percent.
1: So, Amy, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but this has been a just a ton of fun going through these cases, talking with you, getting your perspective. Uh, this is now, I think, the second year we've done this, and I hope we can do it again uh, a third year. And maybe what we should consider is maybe an interim series of podcasts uh, at the six-month mark to see if we can assess if anything's really changed in any of these companies.
0: That would be great. I, I mean, look, more than anything, I think you and I both want all these companies to succeed. It, it hurts employees, shareholders, the economy, communities when companies fail, Right. Um, so, um, each year I'm, I try to be optimistic, but it's always sobering, Tom, you know, given this, this week and what we've talked about to, to see some of the greats and some of the challenges that that they're facing. So I would love to check in in six months. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 o'clock high, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this five-part series on leadership and corporate failures from 2019 that I did with Amy Bernard Bond. I hope you'll join myself and Richard Lummis again next week on 12 O'Clock High when we begin our annual February review of leadership lessons from Oscar-winning best pictures. Thanks again for listening. 12 O'Clock High is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio.